At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Want those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Wednesday morning to you. It is a numbers game right here at Visa the Sports Betting Network. Visa.com, Visa app, Fubo Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, however you're taking us in. Uh, it's Gil Alexander. Did I mention that? I think I did. Uh, ben Wilson is here for uh, producer number seven, Jason Kahn, who's taking one uh, more day off. Uh, he went again to uh, attend the funeral of his aunt back in Oklahoma. Ben, kind enough to join us this morning. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm outstanding, Gil. I'm so excited for uh, today. My last day sitting in. <laughs> make the most of it. Are you excited because it's your last day, or are you excited because of who's first on the uh, oh, guest no, list no. today? Def- the second thing you just The mentioned. second thing. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Well, let me just uh, explain to people who's coming up. Todd Wishnet from his mom's cork attic in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to uh, talk baseball with us momentarily. And then a uh, onslaught of what is largely golf, but also some NBA and also some Aaron Rodgers talk uh, with Steve Zabin, the uh, the greatest sports radio host there ever was in Washington, D.C., who now uh, primarily does sports radio in Milwaukee. So he's got thoughts on the Bucks, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, maybe the Brewers, certainly golf as well. Steve Zabin will join us on the show. Chris Felica, the Bear from ESPN's College Game Day. Brady Cannon, our own Brady Cannon, co-host of Long Shots on the Open Championship. And then Todd Wright, the greatest radio host there ever was. All night with Todd Wright on the Open Championship. So a whole bunch of golf later on the show. And by the way, all those guys, Felika, Zabin, Todd Wright, all those guys easier to get than Todd Wishnev, who's got, you know, things that he has to rearrange on his schedule to be on this show. Ben, you and I both had to, like, full court press him to be on the show. Like, oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. it'll be exciting. That's how that worked. Uh, let me start with this. It's a good way. It's a good segue into Todd. Um, yesterday, we will look at our second half baseball thoughts uh, as we did on primetime action last night, uh, Matt Brown and I, along with Daniel Alvari and Kelly Bidlin. So we'll get Todd's thoughts on all that. But first, yesterday, Rob Manfred, and I didn't, I didn't know that this announcement was coming. I'm not sure anybody did. Uh, they decided through Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, he being the commissioner, that they were going to stop after this season, stop with the seven-inning doubleheaders, and stop with the ghost man on second in extra innings. Basically, uh, runner begins every frame of extra innings on second base, and let's play ball from there. Now, that was something that was created uh, for the pandemic, right, the truncated season last year. Clayton Kershaw was sort of one of the people who was like, well, I hope it's like a temporary thing. We go back to you know regular baseball. I'm paraphrasing after that. But there was some sentiment out there that baseball got super comfortable with the notion that, you know, double headers could be truncated like that, and specifically that we wouldn't have 18-inning or, you know, 17-inning baseball games during the regular season that could effectively mess up a team's bullpen for a week or two. But apparently, Manfred yesterday was like, no, no, it's just, you know, one more year of the pandemic. We're going back to how it was before. So I don't know. First of all, were you surprised by that, Ben, yesterday? And Because it does have some gambling implications, which we'll get to with Todd. Uh, the timing seemed odd. Like, this is... You know, let's say this middle of the season. I know it's not until next year, but 
I like this. I think the ghost runner thing was uh, we all, I, I don't know. At least I expected that was going to go away because that was out of, out of all the things they've done was the most gimmicky of the bunch to me. Yep. I just, that was the one I just could not really come around to. And, you know, we talked about this from the totals standpoint, just how infuriating that has been. Or I guess it could work in your favor in some spots. Well, that's but, what I'm, yeah. And that's what I'm curious with Todd. Did it end up working out better for you? Will you miss the fact that it goes away? You know, I will say this. I have been completely inconsistent on it the whole way because the, uh, the seven inning double headers, I didn't really ever have an opinion on, but the, uh, you know, and it messes with stats. Hey, Madison Bumgarner, you threw a seven-inning no-hitter. He's like, whatever. It's not a no-hitter. Uh, but th- the ghost man on second, the extra runner to start, or the, or the runner to start every extra frame on second base, initially it was like, oh, this is the worst thing. You know, I thought it sounded a thousand, like I was a thousand years old initially. This is the worst thing ever. It's going to change everything about baseball. And then I sort of warmed to it. But then I was, you know, outraged, again, thousand-year-old man, that no one was bunting and I quickly realized no one cared, right? Because they don't teach bunting. No one wants the bunt. It's never going to happen on any consistent basis. Managers played it inconsistently anyway. You couldn't really handicap any specific manager on it. They never seemed to really get it, whether they were home or on the road. And then in the end, something that I didn't like at first, then warmed to, then in the end, I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm kind of tired of the gimmick anyway. Let's go back to baseball. But Baseball's got a problem, right? Because they have to attract a whole young generation like yourself, Ben. And they're in a tough position because they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't because any change they make alienates the purists and the old schoolers. And I think a newer generation is like, we we don't care anyway. Uh, It's Gil Alexander. It's Ben Wilson right here on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Ben, why don't you say we bring him in? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. I've been looking forward to this for <laughs> so long. Wasn't your agreement? I'm only doing a numbers game if Wishnev shows up for part uh, of it. More or less. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind Basically. of the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, from his mom's cork attic in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's the great Todd Wishnev, star of Showtime's docuseries Action. How you doing, Toddy? Well, I see the two of you already taking shots at me right off the get-go. So, you know, it's a great day. I felt like it was more love than anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Not sure about that. No. So about those changes, and I really mean this from a gambling standpoint. Did you end up find? Did you end up thinking in the end that you were exploiting the extra man on second from an in-game totals perspective more than you obviously otherwise would have? Where it wasn't there, or did you find that it was all a wash and didn't really matter from a betting perspective? I mean, I think it's in the number, so to speak, but. Um... I mean, things haven't worked out for me well in baseball in general, so I wouldn't say that, um, you know, I've been able to exploit the extra Now, obviously, I'm thinking about it all the time. You know, if you're in the seventh inning or later and, uh, you know, the game's close or or tied, you always have to be thinking about it from a totals perspective. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that I've been able to uh, successfully, you know, have an edge on it. Obviously, you have to be thinking about it, like I said, if it's tied late. Uh, we did yesterday on Primetime Action, Matt Brown, Danielle Avari, Kelly Bidlin, and I did our second-half projections. I want to go through some of these and get your thoughts, Todd, uh, on it. I don't know why I just called you Todd, 
but it's Todd, ladies and gentlemen, Todd Wishnev at T Wishnev on Twitter. Uh, division winners projecting forward, just to being asked from a general standpoint who I feel will end up as the division winners. Uh, no huge surprises here with the possible exception of the Rays, which I landed on in the AL East just because I don't think Boston is quite sustainable at the top of that division. I don't think the Yankees, as currently constituted anyway, have enough bang to uh, make up the eight-game distance. And so I think the Rays win the AL East by default. And I have to... I like that one, I like that one with you, too. I, I think the Rays will, will squeak past Boston. What about, and, and the White Sox and the Astros, obviously, who have leads, uh, respectively, in the Central and West of the American League. You stay with those two? Yeah, I don't like the Nationals, though. I would pick the Phillies. That would be my, my um, that would also be my best futures bet, because I, I took a quick look. You guys asked for the best futures bet. I took a look and saw that the Phillies were plus 600 to win the division. They're only three and a half games behind. Now, I'm not saying the Phillies are good. I'm just saying the rest of the teams are not that good. The Mets can't hit. And um, DeGrom's always one second away from being injured. So I would take a shot with the Phillies just because I like their lineup. Their top three starters are not bad. Nola, Eflin, um, and Wheeler. Wheeler's outstanding. Uh, I don't like the Nationals. Uh, Just the hitting is not, you know... it's just, a, you know, Schwarber got hot. But other than that, I didn't, I don't really love the Nationals. I don't know. I know you love the Nationals because you always love the Nationals. No, that's not right? true. I always love the Giants. Let's make, let's make sure. Well, I know you love the Giants, yeah. but it feels like the Nationals are like your Giants junior team. <laughs> Giants junior. The junior Giants, for those who are aware of that in the uh, Bay Area. I do have the Brewers and the Dodgers as much as I like the Giants and have and had the Giants uh, recommended them at 8-1, to one, yes, to make the playoffs before the season started and had the hate wash over me. I still do like the Brewers with their current lead in the NL Central, and I do think the Dodgers ultimately win the NL West. Do you have a problem with either of those two? No, I, I think that, you know, the Dodgers will probably, you know, get squeaked by. Although, look, I mean, the Giants, look, Gausman's been amazing. Let, let's just say Gausman, I've won a, in a bad baseball season for me, Gausman's been the bright spot because I've won with him a bunch of times. Um, and I, I really like him. Alex Wood, I used to really love. I, he was real good in the beginning of the season and then kind of fell off. Desclafani also has been, you know, he's pretty good. But after that, there's not much. And then I don't understand how they score all these runs because there's all these, like, no-name guys. But they all hit. So I would not be shocked if the Giants, you know, pulled off a miracle. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I'm just looking at Gaussman's numbers. The 212 BABIP and the 84.7% strand rate, little, and, the, and I guess the 7.5% home run to fly ball rate. He's good. He's good no matter what. No one's saying he's not. But is he this good is my only question. But maybe is the BABIP down because his, his, his split finger fastball just causes, even when they can hit it, poor contact. You know, maybe. sometimes I feel like the BABIP is, is you know, it's not just – you know, straight luck, no luck. I think sometimes there's some, there's something to it. Maybe it, there is for Gausman. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good point because we, we, we tend to immediately think these things regress. There are pitchers like Matt Cain, speaking of old giants, Matt Cain used to be able to sustain a low BABIP, like a 212 BABIP that we just cited for Gausman, maybe not 212, but 220-ish for years on end before it went back. So you never know. Which like, means something, something must be going on there. Uh, here, by the way, again, we we rarely have these kind of macro discussions on the show, but we are here at the All-Star break. AL winner, NL winner, no surprise. Hate to be non-sexy here, but I like the Astros and the Dodgers. Where it got a little dicey for me, I'll be honest with you, is I found myself for a World Series winner, and again, this was an assignment from our producer, Kelly Bidlin. 
I, I put down Dodgers, but as I was as I was texting Dodgers to him or emailing to be uh, precise, I thought to myself, I'm like, is that just a knee jerk from me that I'm, I'm I'm so locked into the Dodgers being the best team in baseball from before the season that I'm brain dead writing it down? And do I really think? that they're better than the Astros. I was a little, I, I did end up putting down the Dodgers, but it wasn't without second thoughts. Where do you stand on that? What if Trevor Bauer has a problem, you know? <laughs> what, uh, what, if, what if he's unable that, to play for, for some what reason? If there, what if there seems to be a problem with some of his um, extracurricular activities and therefore it's now just Kershaw and Bueller and there's patchwork, 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 and, you know, the Dodgers' middle of the relief doesn't really get you too scared. I don't know about you, but sometimes when the Dodgers start getting guys in there in the fifth and sixth inning, you're like, these guys aren't that good. And then Kenley Jansen, we all know about him. So um, I think the Dodgers are a little more, um, you know, a little more um, in trouble than you might otherwise yeah. think. No, I And the agree. Astros, if Bregman comes back, um, you get the top six. I love when the look, the Astros are a different, that's a team. You have to look at the lineup all the time when you, when you bet the Astros, because some days there's three of the top six in there and some days all six are in there. When Bregman comes back, you've got Bregman, Correa, Brantley, Altuve, Jordan, and Goriel. That's what I consider the top six on, on Astros. When all those guys are in the hitting is really rough. You know, it's very difficult to beat that team with with all that hitting, even without Springer. Um, but, you know, uh, when they only have two or three of those guys in, then the lineup, you know, look, I think it's a very wide open. I don't I've never felt this wide open in baseball in a while. Really? A lot of these teams. I don't think it's like a, a, a foregone conclusion. A lot of them all have flaws. You know, the White Sox have a zillion guys injured. But some coming you know, back, Tampa, though, right? They're They're getting guys back, though. Yeah, they're getting guys back. I'm just saying, do you, what do you feel? There's a juggernaut here. Do you feel like the Dodgers and Astros are juggernauts? I wouldn't be shocked if I, either of them didn't I, make it. I feel like the Astros right now are more juggernauty than the Dodgers. Right? Didn't see, but their pitching isn't so like yeah. overwhelming, is it? Like no, no. Who's their great guys? That are this that are amazing pitchers, amazing relievers? I don't see it. No, you're right. It's not like it was, you know, in their, uh, you know, in their World Series runs from a couple years back. For sure, I agree with you there. Uh, pre uh, crackdown on substances for pitchers, for instance. Uh, let's go to awards, Todd. Again, this is a second half predictions. Uh, Simon on primetime action last night, which uh, we were given by Kelly Bidlin, and Matt and I took a crack at this. So I know how much you love awards, Todd. This is your favorite subject ever. Uh, but AL MVP and NL MVP, I ended up going with the very controversial pitcher and pitcher. Uh, I, Shohei Otani, obviously the. Uh, the short shot right now, or the favorite to win American League MVP. It's a two-man race in the betting market between Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who jacked one in the All-Star game yesterday. No thanks, Chris Bryant, for uh, not knocking in runs and leaving five on base to not get the over for us. Uh, Shohei Otani is my AL MVP. I just think when you're Ruthian, uh, you know, Bill Simmons said it best on his podcast, if this were the 1980s, we would not stop talking about what Shohei Otani is doing when baseball was more popular. If he didn't play for the Angels and he played for the Yankees or the Red Sox, we would not stop talking about Shohei. Maybe maybe those of us here on the network haven't stopped, but we're talking mainstream media. And then I have Jacob deGrom, which Jason Weingarten disagrees with. But my whole thing, because his thing is he's not going to have enough innings to get both Cy Young and the MVP. But my thing is, even if you get to like 160, 170 innings, 
if you don't give the MVP, and let's just assume DeGrom is as sublime as he's been the whole season moving forward. If you don't give an MVP to DeGrom this year in the National League, and obviously Shohei's his own, his own thing, both hitting and pitching. But if you don't give a pitcher like Jacob DeGrom the MVP this year, you should never give a pitcher only the MVP ever again. So I have Otani and DeGrom. Where do you stand on those two? Awards. I mean, I don't like giving the MVP to a pitcher just right off the get-go, but I understand what you're saying. I just always worried about DeGrom because he feels like he's like very brittle and he's always two seconds away from, oh, DeGrom's out for two months now, you know, all of a sudden, and you're, you, there goes your bet. So th- that's what scares me with DeGrom. So I understand. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that argument. Um, if I had to take a long shot in the National League, I'd take Castellanos at plus uh, 3,500 because if, you know, Tatis got injured and DeGrom got injured, you know, I could see him winning it at plus 3,500. Um, and then you have Radona. I, I like him for the uh, – so I think uh, Garrett Cole's coming back to the pack, so I, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah, one. on Cy Young, it's Carlos Radona for me, which, again, is not the sexiest pick in the world because he's around $3. Always shop for the prices here. Um, the ex- the expectation is that Garrett Cole, despite his last start, which was awesome for the Yankees, that his performance will come down and that Rodon will be a guy who, if you look at his advanced stats, they all check out. He's just been tremendous. And then DeGrom, obviously, for uh, NL Cy Young. Let's go to the uh, next category. By the way, there's some adjusted season win totals at DraftKings, Todd, with some of these. We'll, we'll look at some here as we uh, go through these categories. Again, a look into the second half of the season. Second half in quotes, obviously, since we're more than halfway through. So my team to bet on in the second half, and obviously this is price-dependent, game-by-game, but we're just saying, generally speaking, the club or two that you ought to look at uh, as a team to bet on or a team to fade in the second half, my team to bet on is the Blue Jays. I love this team, and I think with the trade deadline now 17 days away, that the Blue Jays are going to make a move. And there are a couple Minnesota Twins out there, namely Jose Berrios, Berrios, to pronounce it correctly, who would be a pitcher that would fit great on the Blue Jays staff. Nelson Cruz might look good as a bat there. I just think the Blue Jays are going to make a move. And what most who don't follow the minors may not know is the Blue Jays have a bunch of young infielders in their system. They don't have to unload them all, but there's a couple or a few of them that they could for capital to get some of these guys to win now. There's a possibility the Blue Jays may end up back in Toronto in late July or early August, depending how the Canadian government rules on uh, restrictions here for COVID moving forward. And to this point in the year, the Blue Jays' um, Pythagorean theorem, meaning what's their run differential, the run differential is, is north of 70 runs. They ought to have a better record now than they do already. So to, be careful with that. Because, okay. you, you know, I, I've watched the Blue Jays probably more than any other team this year. I've watched so much Blue Jays. And, you know, I, I hear you. The, the, the hitting is obviously amazing. The, the, I think the run differential shows up often because they crush some teams like 12 to 3, and then they lose all the close games because their bullpen is horrendous and their manager is an idiot. So I think <laughs> that you've you got to be very, very careful. I think their numbers are a little bit, um, 
you know, misleading in that in that sense because they do have these games where they'll just crush a team. If you put garbage pitching out there, they're going to hit it. There's just too many good bats in the lineup, and it goes all the way to the number eight guy. Every guy is tough to get out. It's very difficult. But the problem is in baseball, very you know, that's great for say 30% of the games. But what about all the games that are going to be close near the end? And now they've got to have these these relievers that you bring in Chatwood, and it's you know you want to blow your brains out. There's just the the, the bullpen is is a, a you know an absolute disaster, and the manager I don't like the manager either. But um, and you know what? Who are the great starters? You know, Stripling's been better lately. Uh, you know, Ryu, he's not as good as everybody thinks he is. I, I I'm not sold on him at all. And then who who are the other great you know starters on the Blue Jays? Well, you know? Man- Manoa well, Manoa is their best young pitcher. Pearson. You know is- what I say about him? Eh, eh. I don't, don't love him. him yet. Go ahead. Who else? Who else? Well, they have Pearson, but he's been hurt. So Pearson is, uh, yeah. yeah. The Blue Jays' season win total, 85.5 adjusted at DraftKings. They're currently 45 and 42. Uh, so that means they got to win, do, 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 do. They got to win 41 yeah. ball games the rest of the way. So they got to go, what's that? 41 and uh, 34 is my math in my head. 41 I mean, and 34. I guess it could happen. It could, that could happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, they just make you want to tear your hair out. The, 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 you watch these games with that that team. I'm, I'm sure you've watched a lot of games with them this year too. They they yep. just oh my god, it's just so frustrating. Phillies, by the way, because you love them, their season win total adjusted at DraftKings is 82 and a half. They're currently 44 and 44, so they have to win 39 more ball games. Uh, 39 do 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 carry the one. Uh, 39 and 35, I believe the Phillies would have to go the rest of the I way. I see that just because and I don't like the, don't get me wrong. The Phillies are also, they make you want to, you know, blow your brains out with the, with the ridiculousness of that team. But when everybody's healthy, when Segura's in the lineup, when Didi's in the lineup, you know, Harper's hitting, you know, McCutcheon starts hitting a little bit. The lineup can be real Muto. There's some talent in that lineup and those top three pitchers, you know, granted Aaron Nola hasn't been great, but They've got some. The relief is also a disaster. But the the although this Ranger Suarez was in there the other day was pitching amazing. But I don't know. I just think the Phillies are are more talented than you think. And the Braves are my fade team. Fade the Braves because without Acuna, now you instead of a two man lineup, it's a one man lineup. You got five more minutes, Todd, or do you have to go play tennis? I got five more minutes. Todd Wishnev, everybody kind enough to join us for more time momentarily as we go through uh, more second half predictions in baseball and we'll talk a whole bunch of Open Championship which which Todd would love to talk about but there's just not enough time. Uh, the Open Championship later with Steve Oh Zayman. yeah, Xander Schauffele and uh... <laughs> Steve Zaman, Todd Wright, uh, Brady Cannon and of course Chris Velika we'll talk about uh, the Open Championship with those guys coming up in a bit. More baseball with Wishnem next. Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. With football season just around the corner, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Gil Alexander uh, with Ben Wilson sitting in for Jason Kahn this morning and Todd Wishdev from his mom's cork attic there in uh, Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, Todd, I just started looking at these these um, these season win totals. Yes. The Minnesota Twins are 77 and a half over. Yeah. How are you going to get yeah. to 77 and a half? That's crazy. That means they have to go like six or seven games over 500 the rest of the way. They're not good. They are not good. Um, that is that is an understatement. And not only are they not good, they will be sellers, right, in 17 they days. Will be, that was the other thing I was going to say. They will be sellers. And the Detroit Tigers are only 71 and a half. So, uh, you know, I like the Tigers over and the Twins under. I mean, first of all, A.J. Hinch is really, uh, I think the, they're doing something over there in Tigerland. And, um, but the Twins, 77 and a half, that's, how are they going to get to 78 wins? That's yeah. 78 and 84. That means they have to go six games under 500 for the season. Right now, they're 11 games under. They have to go five games over 500 the rest of the way for the Twins. Yeah. The, I don't, yeah. do you see that? I do not. The uh, That's a that's a great one that you picked out. Thank you for perusing that. The Minnesota Twins, therefore, would have to go. Their season win total is 78, you said, as I'm perusing. 77 and a half. 77 right and a half. So they would have to go 39. Uh, what is that? They'd have to go 39 and. Uh, uh, 34 the rest of the way, 39 and 34 yeah. to get that done. 30, does yeah. that sound like a team that's going to go 39 and 34? No, that sounds like a very bad number is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have said it out loud on, on the radio, but yeah. it, right yeah. off the bat, it just like screams like under to me. I well, don't know. Let me just say this. I thought they were going to be, if, if there was a team I was more wrong on than the Minnesota twins before this season started, I don't know what team it was. I mean, I thought they were going to be really good. I thought they would challenge the white Sox at the top of the AL central. So as many good calls uh, on the giants, for instance, that I made, uh, there was that too with the twins, but they are what they are at this point. And with the trade deadline, there's no more making up for it because they will unload Berrios and maybe Cruz and who knows who else. So that's a very good good play. And it gets back to, by the way, here's some updated win totals from the AL Central specifically that we'll throw up on the screen. But this gets to the question of, look at that, their original win total, 89.5, now 77.5. Yeah, they'd have to go 39 and 34 the rest of the like way. I don't like that at all. Um, and I was also looking at your nationals. You might as well just bet the nationals over on the on the season wins. Yes, seventy eight and a half minus one thirty. If you think they're going to win the division, right? Well, except for, yeah, they're they're twelve to one in some spots to win the division. The nationals. Yeah. I know you like the Phillies better at six to one. So there's obviously a case to be made for both. But you're right, eighty four and a half is their excuse me, was the original seventy eight and a half. They're adjusted. The over is a little juiced at minus one thirty, but I like that as well. This does bring to mind the whole notion of your the reason I you know I joke you're in your mom's cork attic but the reason you're staying in Pennsylvania over coming back to Nevada is that I'd love to bet these I would love to have the opportunity to bet some of these I can't you can you just love being out there because you have all these options 
Well, I just love team totals. I mean, team totals in game, it's just so fantastic. You know, I, I love betting, you know, I, in, in Vegas, you can only bet team totals pregame and only at like one or two books. And then there's no in game. Forget that. That's ridiculous. You, you don't even suggest that you could get that here. You have in game options all game. You have player prop in games. I mean, it's insanity what is available here versus what's available in Vegas. It's not even close, you know? Yeah, we do have some indication. I think I think this Brady Cannon got this out of someone, uh, an MGM yesterday. He'll confirm with us later that there is some notion that at least at MGM, what is offered elsewhere at BetMGM and is not in Nevada, that that will now merge and coalesce here in short time. So at least that's okay, so the... Okay, so you have a little something. We have a yeah. little something, but we don't have, yeah. you know, we don't yet have the DraftKings of the world uh, with adjusted, adjusted season win totals like that. By the way... Um, How about the Angels? With If Trout comes back, I heard Trout might be coming back very shortly. Might happen. And the Angels are only 82 and a half... Minus one, uh, no, 82 and a half even money. When I'm just, I'm just perusing these right off the top of my head, right? Yeah. 82 and a half over. They only have to go like a couple games over 500, maybe two more games over 500 or three more the, games over They got to go 38 and 35. Again, doing this all in yeah. my head here. 38 and 35. Yeah, they could I'm do like, that. Yeah. Why couldn't they do that? If Trout comes back. I think my math is correct. 38 and 35. Yeah. yeah. Angels. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Todd, you have to stay over now because I got to get to the last two of these. So give me one more segment, okay? Okay. Todd Wishnev, everybody. Very, very amenable this morning. Very kind. Uh, one more segment with Todd, and then we'll talk golf and basketball right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Friday's episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod touches all the bases at Del Mar, Saratoga, and Monmouth Park. Longtime Southern California handicapper Bob Ike previews the summer at Del Mar. Trainer Fausto Gutierrez talks about his rising star Latruska and her plans for Saratoga. Monmouth handicapper Brad Thomas looks at Saturday's $1 million Haskell stakes. VEASAN's Vinny Maliulo has his picks for weekend races as well. Subscribe now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it Friday morning at VEASAN.com slash podcasts. That's VEASAN.com slash podcasts. We're talking about the Ron Flatter Racing Pod, sponsored by First Bet. Talking about the Ron Flatter Racing Pod, not practice. It's Gil Alexander, Todd Wishnev, who, uh, of course, uh, indulged me in my bad radio form, asking him right before the break, hey, one more segment, Todd? And Todd uh, indulged me. Thank you, Todd. Todd, you're still you're pouring over those uh, adjusted season wins at DraftKings. So you, I just bet the Twins under because I was like, I have to do it. I just bet the Twins under. Just bet the Twins under just now. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I mean, again, you you check the schedule and all, but they're going to be sellers. That's the thing. It's like there's no there's no bounce back. One would think yeah, and coming. Who's the relievers, the relievers stink. Yeah, I don't even care if they get Byron Buxton back or whoever. They stink. The Twins. You watch those games; they're terrible. Um. By the way, did you want to say anything to your tennis rival Ben Wilson? Like, were you upset about it? Ben called? Wilson talks a big game. Okay, let me just tell you something. He was playing me, and not now. I'm still a fatso, granted, but I was a huge fatso at 290 when just started playing tennis for the first time, really, and started playing him. And of course, he was much better than me. He was a high school star. Uh, granted, I, I'm never said I was good. I just said I was better than you and Mike Palm and Jeff Parles. Oh, but the point go. is. 
The point is now I've played for two summers. I'm down to 270, granted not as thin as I was last summer, down to 245. But I can play now. I'm like number six in the Shenley Park ladder tournament out of 60 <laughs> people. I'm not that bad. He's number and six I in Shenley think, Park, Ben. Yeah, I don't think Ben is just going to walk, you know, clean the floor with me. Now, he'll still probably beat me, but he's not going to just clean the floor with me like he did last time. Give me a break. Shots fired, Ben. Todd, you look great. I just want to say that first off. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. You, know, you do yeah, look, you do I look good, I, and I miss you too. Like, I, you know, it's <laughs> we not too. the same. We miss you. We want you back here. It's not, we want, yeah, like, Shemley Park. I've Their played like one summer. summer. Yeah. Shenley. Shenley, I'm sorry. Apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can we just finish up the board here real quick? Sure. Uh, by the way, Ben Wilson called Todd a, a good three. Todd was endlessly offended by that. I'm like a 4.5 now. You ben, are so not. Go, do you know who MEP is? Do you know who MEP is, Ben? Check out MEP. I'm the MEP of Pittsburgh, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, for sure. I believe you. Uh, my team to fade was the Padres. Do you? Uh, are you bullish on the Padres, or do you agree with me that their uh, their pitching is just not there? Because you don't like Snell, and you don't like Musgrove, and you don't like uh, who's the other guy? Who's their top guy? Snell is the is the main guy. Where I'm like, can we just stop with the Snell thing already? Yeah, Snell's not. He doesn't seem right to me. And you know what? Enough with Mark Melanson. The yes. guy's always stunk. Agree. And he still stinks. And of course, the he's been okay, but he does blow the save when I'm involved. I can tell you that he'll always blow it for you when I'm involved. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the you know. Look at those. I mean, the part they're okay, but they, I don't think they're you know, as great as everybody thinks they are. Look at those Let's numbers just... in the NL West, yeah. Todd. Uh, just the, the original win totals on the right uh, per DraftKings, right, with the the right. Diamondbacks at 75.5, the Giants at 74.5. Let's just point that out. And now the adjusted on the left, 98.5 on the Dodgers, 92.5 on both the Padres and the Giants. And look at the D-backs at 59.5. Can the D-backs get to 59.5? Yeah, so where are – that's what I was just going to ask you. Where are the D – let's see where the D-backs are right now. They're 26 and 66. So they would – to beat you, they have to win 34 times. Yes. And lose how many times? Uh, they'd have to go 34 and uh, 36, I believe. Right. Right, so they're going to go 34 and 36? The thing about that one, though, is, and, and Mark Borchard, who we have on, who does baseball. Wait a second. That, that's got to be wrong, right? Well, I mean, does it? Well, here's what I'm about to make the case for why it might not be. By the way, the over is juice there, even at minus 130. They are, I know, listen, they stink all around. They've had a terrible, terrible time. They had the epic losing streak on the road. But Mark Borchard, who does uh, his own baseball numbers for us uh, from an undisclosed location in the desert, base winner, he was making the case that the Diamondbacks, and he is, you know, that's his home team there, he, he's, he was making the case that at home, and I don't know how much you're going to buy into this, but at home, their lineup, WRC+, plus, get into the weeds now, Todd, is so much better at that ballpark than it is on the road. So, like, they are really tailored to that ballpark, and they're – their underperformance at home is huge. They're and, 15 and 28 at home. Yeah. So what he's saying is if you if you at least pay attention to that, it's not as slam dunky as it seems, I guess. But I, I'd but still, still I'm still with they you. Have to go, they have to go only two games under five hundred the rest of the way. Am right. I doing that right? That's what my math is that's what my math in my head is telling me. Yeah. So that just seems crazy, right? It does a little bit, but I, I kind of that's the counter argument anyway, just to put it put it out there. I know, but I'm asking you, forget the counter argument for a second. Are the Arizona Diamondbacks gonna go two games under five hundred the rest of the who 
who's the starting pitchers for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Because I know that when the middle relief gets in, it's oh, very ugly. I was just about to say that. The underbelly of the bullpen, as Borchard calls it, is just, that's the problem, right? It's like... It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so it's bad. Like, it's like batting machines. The guys come in and they're just flipping it up there and it's like literally just like you know, batting practice. And I love betting against the Diamondbacks on the team totals in the middle of the game when they're down five to one in the fourth inning. And the other team only has to get like two and a half, three more runs for you. You just bet against the Diamondbacks because whoever they put in is just absolutely ridiculously bad. I mean, I, I maybe I'm betting that one too. Now, you know what? You convinced me to bet the Diamondbacks under too, I guess. Okay. I mean, I mean how are they going to get to 60 wins, Gil? Well, I just told you that's the only counter argument I came up with. And, but but I don't know how much water it holds. By the way, Giants, before I let you go here, Giants 92 and a half, uh, they'd have to go 36 and 30, what is it, 36 and, uh, and uh, oh, now I knew I would botch one finally, 36 and 30, uh, 37, 36 and 37 the rest of the way. So a Who's game that? below 500. What's that? Which team? The Giants. The Giants would have to go 36 and 37. Do I have that math right? The rest well, of the see. way. The Giants right now are 25 over 500. And what are the, what is their number now? 57 and 32, and it's 92 and a half. So, uh, yeah, 36 and 37. I believe I'm correct on that. That's what they'd have to go the rest of the way. So, game below 500 to eclipse the 92 and a half. You know, hmm, that's weird too, right? Yeah, I mean, these are all very. Of course, you have to check the schedules, right? Because obviously, that's a thing in the NL East. The Mets have a have a tough schedule. I think the National schedule is easier. I haven't really. Uh, the Phillies are somewhere in between, so it's it's all very interesting. Good for DraftKings for putting those up. Uh, very fun to talk about here at the All Star break. Todd, it's been a pleasure, man. I know you want to talk. I know you wanted to talk about NBA MVP numbers for next year, which are out. But I'm sorry, we're out of time. No, I wanted to talk about the MLS um, MVP numbers. MLS Comeback Player of the Year 2025. That's going to be big. Goodbye, Todd. It's been a pleasure. We love you. Todd <laughs> Wishnev, everybody, at T Wishnev on Twitter. Uh, ben Wilson's day is May. Only reason he was here. He insisted on Wishnev. We give you Wishnev. We'll come back. Chris Valika on the Open Championship next. Numbers game. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA Finals game, including game four tonight. Neither team hits a three-pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use bonus code VEASAN100 when you place your first bet. Enjoy the finals more than ever with BetMGM. New customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander, Ben Wilson hanging out. In for uh, producer number seven, Jason Kahn. Let's bring him in from ESPN's College Game Day. And, of course, uh, Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. Not to mention ESPN's Daily Wager. It's Chris Felica, everybody. You know him as the Bear. How you doing, Chris? 
Uh, good, good morning. I, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'd be doing better if I never discovered the wonderful thing, uh, the Concacaf Gold Cup, right now. Uh, have, you, have you been paying attention to some of the ridiculousness that's going on there? Well, as like, you... like, like you're getting games that are uh, going over, that are scoreless in the 81st minute. Goalies dribbling the ball in front of their net and and allowing the opponents to put them in. Game, game, game fifth and sixth added minute. Uh, first half goals, uh, game, uh, games going over that were 2-0 in the 85th. It's just been, it's game last night that was scoreless at the half, and then uh, Cutter or Qatar, I don't know what we've landed on for the official pronunciation <laughs> today, but nil-nil nil at the half, and then they three different times they blew a lead in the second half, six goals, like, like some ridiculous stuff going on in that tournament the, uh, just to get the, the soccer fix in, in, in watching uh, after years. But there's, there's been some ridiculousness going on yeah. uh, in, in that tournament. It's uh, I think it's Cutter, by the way, uh, World Cup host. Okay. We decided last night it should, be, it should be like QAnon. It should be QAtar. We just decided that's probably the easy way to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. The, the, we, should, we should be honest. We should be transparent about this. So Sunday night, you and I are texting. I had had a pristine week of betting, right? Just an absolutely great week of betting, you know, with Djokovic. Pliskova had won the semis. Uh, had the draw in the England game, right? Uh, what was the other one? The NBA Finals, Milwaukee minus three first half. It was just a, it was a wonderful stretch of betting. And then so late Sunday night, we're just sort of texting. <laughs> we're texting. What was the game Sunday night? I had it, and I'm like, it was, Guatemala, it was, uh, El, El, El Salvador, and um, and Guatemala. I think yes. It was. So I had so finally we were just like, should I, listen, we shouldn't bet anymore. This has just been perfect. Why? Why would we make a stupid Sunday night bet? And so I go ahead because I'm just dumb, and I make a uh, under in-game under one and a half in that. Just to your point, as you know, and you go, you're like, I'm going to bed. This looks good. 80, 80, 81 minutes in, zero zero nil nil, as they say in the soccer game. But as you point out, not only one goal, but a second goal in the 96th, the last minute, and it's just like it's a it's a lesson for gambling. It's just like, hey, uh, don't get too feisty, buddy. We're going to knock you down if we can here at some point. The, 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 the best part about that was like, like you're listening to the the, uh, the, the pregame and, and the announcers talking about it. Like, oh, yeah, and the only reason, I think it was Guatemala. I, I can't, I'm not, uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But like, oh, yeah, yeah, Curacao uh, came down with coronavirus. So Thursday, they they were withdrawn from the tournament. And, and Guatemala, who just fired their head coach, was told on Friday <laughs> to right. put a team together and you're playing on Sunday. That's so right. it's like, really? That's what we're doing? Yeah, there was actually an angle and it didn't work out. As so, as so many angles don't. All right, Chris, uh, it's the Open Championship. First of all, where do you come down on the British Open versus the Open Championship debate? I call it the Open. Oh, I like it. I just call it the Open. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, like, like I, I know that, that was when I was putting together all of my uh, research packets when I was still fortunate enough to be uh, working and covering and going to the Open. Uh, I, I would just call it the Open. I think the U.S. Open was the differentiator, and then just uh, the Open. So that, that, that's where I stand. All all answers are acceptable, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, Chris goes with go. the Open. Uh, okay, so this begins obviously uh, overnight stateside, as is, is always the case with the Open Championship. And what's great, and I always appreciate this about you and about Paul Carr and about Todd Wright, you guys listen often. 
and hear what other people are saying and text in your reactions. And you have been listening and 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 you love you love the hate on Rory McElroy this week. I do. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. I, people, I think, are looking at what happened uh, the last two weeks, and uh, they're forgetting that he was right in the thick of the, of the U.S. Open on the uh, kind of back nine on uh, on Sunday at Torrey. Like, he, he was right there prior to uh, missing the cut at Portrush uh, at home, where there was so much pressure, and he uh, lost his tee shot and had a terrible first round. He nearly wound up uh, making the cut. Um, but this is like the best open golfer there is right now. I mean, he won in 2014, and, and then since then, you know, other than the miscut, he was second, fourth, and fifth. I mean, this is a guy that just shows up every single year uh, and is in contention. And I, I think, too, he gave a little bit of a tell, I think, yesterday about how he feels about the course. Uh, when he called the chorus lush, uh, I think that means he likes it uh, without him saying that. I, I think he feels that it suits his game a lot more. Uh, obviously, it's a lot easier to putt on those greens uh, than, than some of the courses that he plays uh, stateside. And obviously, we know Rory is uh, putting is the thing that kind of keeps him down every now and then. But but I love the fact that, that people are fading Rory this, this week and not really – uh, considering him a contender. I, I think of like the 20-something the people, I think maybe it might have been on ESPN.com that they sent around the little email, pick your winner. I think I was the only one that picked Rory, and uh, I am quite happy uh, to be on that island with, with, uh, with Rory McIlroy. Wow, strong. Rory McIlroy, 20-1, to 1, courtesy of BetMGM. Who else did you uh, bet an outright on? Um, it's funny. Usually, uh, I like stay away from the outrights, but but in this tournament, I think a because I was over there for so long, and it was just great to go over to Ladbrokes or uh, Beth Fred or Will Hill or whatever. Um, this is one that I think uh, I enjoy because you do get some ridiculous odds, and it's obviously been well documented uh, about how. The last two times the Open has been here, you've had a couple of ridiculous winners uh, in Darren Clark and, and Ben Curtis. Uh, I, I think Brooks Kepka is an obvious uh, must play. It, it, it's 16, 18 to 1, whatever uh, he might be. I know he said this isn't necessarily his favorite course, but again, this is a guy who, uh, in his last four Opens, he's got three top tens and uh, probably wouldn't have to hit a ton of drivers on this course. Uh, so I, I think he's a must play. And then uh, if you're looking for two of the longer type prices, I think Scotty Scheffler is someone to take a look at. Um, if you go look over his last five majors, we're looking at T7, T8, T18, T19, T4. Uh, you throw one at T3 at the Memorial, a fifth place finish uh, at a WGC, the runner up in the WGC match play. And this is a guy who is on the cusp of a very, very big win. Um, doesn't have to worry about the quarantine. and He's been over there for a while. Uh, had a good week at the, uh, the Scottish Open. Uh, this is someone who I, I definitely feel strongly about in terms of the win, the top 10, and the top 20. Uh, another guy is kind of, I think, flying a little bit under the radar this week. Um, and my, my longer price to win would be uh, Christian Bezadenhout. Uh, we talked again about unlikely winners. I think he's around 80 or 85 to 1. Uh, he's someone who... Uh, consistently makes makes cuts. Uh, he was in position for a much better finish 
uh, the last two majors before struggling on Sundays. Uh, he's a really good putter. He hits a lot of greens. Um, he, he's someone that if you're looking for that, throw a dart and maybe land in a long shot winner. Uh, he's someone that I would take a look at as well. Zayden Hoot, uh, we're showing at 70-1, to 1, the South African at BetMGM. Uh, Chris, we only have a couple minutes, so I want to get this in. If Rory is the guy that anecdotally people hate but you love, who's the guy that people uh, betting this tournament, handicappers that you've heard this week on this show and others, uh, who's the guy that they actually uh, love but you hate? Who do you fade here? I, I think it, yeah, it, 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 it's Patrick Cantley and Jordan Spieth. I, I don't like either of those guys this week. Um, I know Spieth won. Uh, an open championship, but, but I think this is it. And you talk about luck. I mean, luck goes into this event a lot, especially at a course where you're going to get a lot of bounces, uh, whether they're good or bad. But I think it, it's good. I'm glad you asked that because I think in terms of game theory and gameplay, I, I think if you're looking to win some of these, whether it's DFS contests or player pool drafts that you might be in or like the, the, the DK where you set your lineup, uh, I, I think you, you can't pick John Rahm you can't pick uh, Louis Hazen, you can't pick Jordan Spieth, and you can't pick Patrick Kelly. I, I think those guys are off limits because I think they're going to be had by a majority of people, and, and you're going to have to have to walk. I, I, I think Louis Hazen is someone really set up to disappoint. I, I, I think he plays better in majors that he kind of comes in uh, a little bit unnoticed and bigger odds. And he's such a hot, trendy name this week. I, I, I'd be careful with what he was this week. Yeah, and no, and no one has mentioned Bryson DeChambeau, obviously the form he's in. Uh, they, right. ca- they can't seem to set that number high enough all of a sudden. No, no, they really can't. He's someone who I know a lot of people like to miss the cut. And there are a couple other guys in addition to him that I, I would play to miss the cut. My column is up on ESPN.com. So if we don't get through all this stuff here, uh, check it out there. But the chance Ravy, I think, is like minus 160 to miss the cut. This is a guy who uh, missed the cut all three times and shot better than 72 once in his six rounds. And I think that's it. enough evidence for me. Kevin Streelman to miss the cut is even money. Billy Horschel is plus 110 to miss the cut. Ian Poulter is someone who hasn't really played super well uh, at the Open and has talked about how much he doesn't like the course. So uh, there are a lot of head-to-heads and missed cut uh, opportunities out there in addition to the uh, the outright and top 10 to make. So check out that column uh, where, where myself and Everyone else is a lot more. All right, ESPN.com for Chris's thoughts and uh, everyone else chiming in on the Open Championship. Chris Felica, everybody. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Take care, bud. My man, ESPN's College Game Day producer, of course, can't wait for Game Day to return. And half of the Stanford Steve of the Bear podcast, Daily Wager as well. Coming back, Steve Zabin on the Bucks, Aaron Rodgers, and the Open Championship. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.